Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amado here tonight with... Ellen Dapa. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, former head of the Dankwa Institute, Richard Ahiangba, appointed director of communications of the governing New Patriotic Party, NPP. Tonight we ask what he brings to the table. Also coming up, CDD conducts a survey which reveals that 46% of Ghanaians believe that the composition of a hung parliament has made members of parliament effective in scrutinizing government spending. There are other findings that we'll be sharing with you tonight on Eyewitness News. And later... Once we are being governed by constitution, we should allow the due process of the law to take its course to, 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 to address the situation. Ashanti Region GJA slams the Kumasi Traditional Council for causing the temporary closure of Oyeripa FM. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, the Association of Ghana Industries lords government's receipt of 750 million Afri Exim Bank loan but calls for a long term approach at improving the economy. That's in 15 minutes with Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including Tungsun 97.3 FM in Wa in the Upper West Region and Quality 88.7 FM in Garu in the neighboring Upper East Region. In the Northern Region, we are on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. In the Volta Region, we are on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajavu and VOV Radio on 95.7 FM in Hohoi. If you go to the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumase and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumase. In the Bono region, this is Green FM 95.9 in Sunyani. And in the Western region, we are live on Adrianpa 100.7 FM in Takwa and Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi. Do let us know what you think of the big stories we are bringing you tonight. Send your message to our WhatsApp and Telegram number 0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the New Patriotic Party went to the polls over a month ago and elected national officers. But these national officers will be supported by deputies who are not elected but rather appointed by the party. A decision has to be made and considerations have to be made for persons to be appointed to fill the various deputy party roles. So the party has uh, come up with that list, and uh, Sami Wiafi has joined me from the newsroom to share with us more on who has been named as what. Sami, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Sambar. So um, walk us through, which who, who was at this meeting, what kind of meeting was this, and what were the determinations made? So this meeting was the National... Um, Council of Elders meeting, the second highest decision-making body of the MPP after Congress. So the president was in attendance, the new general secretary, the chairman, and all other elected national officers 
were all present in this particular meeting and council of elders members were also in this particular meeting. So this meeting, as I said earlier, is the second highest decision-making body of the MPP after Congress. So National Council can take a decision on behalf of the party, not necessarily going to Congress to have those decisions approved. So they came out with a, a new list of national executive who will assist the elected national executive so uh for instance you have um, a general secretary who will need deputies to work with you have a national organizer who will need some deputies to work with and all other p- or positions needed deputy with the exception of the national chairman who and uh, the, the national device those ones are elected by by delegates of the party but for the general secretary national organizer um national women's organizer national youth organizer nasara coordinator and the likes they are all appointed by by the party leadership so uh this afternoon a statement was issued and signed by the general secretary of the party justin kodia uh, announcing a new list of appointees who are going to serve at various deputy positions within the party the first one on the list uh, deputy general secretary so the mpp has always had two deputy general secretaries um so the first one is dr antoinette dakon now she is the current executive director of the Dankwa institute um the second one is haruna mohammed haruna mohammed is uh, the current uh, youth employment agency coordinator in the northern region and happens to be the campaign coordinator for the current general secretary justin kodia in the northern region during the 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 election to elect new national officers for the party so the two of them are going to help justin kodia as uh, the general secretary so two of them dr antoinette dako and haruna mohammed then there's the deputy national youth organizers um the first one is joseph uh, nyaibi kawaja who has been maintained uh he was uh, 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 already a national organizer, a deputy national organizer during the time of Sami Ukuso. Um, Nanabi decided to maintain him in this particular position. And then there's Chris Lloyd Nikwe. Chris is the current na- a constituency organizer for the MPP in the Odududu constituency. So he gets elevated to be uh, a deputy national um, organizer. And then there's a deputy national women's organizer, Safia Mohammed. Safia is the current uh, regional women's organizer for the Savannah region. Um, and he, has, he has been brought to, brought to national level. National now. So uh, a new regional um, women's organizer will need to be appointed uh, in the Savannah region. And then there's Mariam Irama Dia. Now Mariam happens to be the PA to Kids Jemfua, the current national women's organizer. And she's a former TESCON member on the campus of the University of Ghana. There's Deputy National Youth Organizers. There's Isaac J. Nihai. J. happened to be, or Isaac was the, the former NUCS president. Uh, former NUCS president. Remember uh, during the, the COVID era, the, the year 2021, COVID showed its face here in Ghana. Um, he led a group of students to the Jubilee House to uh, thank the president for how he has handled this whole uh, COVID pandemic uh, during that time. So he's been appointed as a deputy national uh, youth organizer. And then there's Sandra Sarkodie Adu. Sandra happens to be a former local NUCS president uh, for uh, the King's University College. 
here in Accra. So she was a former uh, NUCS president. She's also a member of the uh, Loyal Ladies, uh, a wing or not a wing per se, but uh, more or less affiliated to the MPP when it comes to organization and mobilization of women. And there's a deputy national Nasara coordinators. Um, the current Nasara coordinator, Alaji Fota, decided to maintain the two deputies uh, he had already. So when you say decided to maintain, it means that the officer has a, a view. Yes, yes, because in in all these you need the people to work with, and you have not you are not, you are not comfortable with them. They will not you, let you. you, do you not let we, 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 so they cannot person. impose. It's not like an imposition. No, 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 really. no you can't. You can't. On you. you can't really um, impose the person on. I see. Because you need to have that coordination with the person before you can work with them. So there's Abdul uh, Bonsu and then there's Hajia Asha Yusuf. And then the the committee or the the the, the National Council also decided to make some other appointments aside uh, the ones mentioned earlier. So there's a director of campaign strategy. Um, Honorable Dan Kwekuboche, the current Minister for Local Government and Rural Development and Decentralization, was appointed as the Director of Campaign Strategy for the MPP. The party also um, appointed uh, the Director for Research and Election. Evans Nimako was maintained as the Director for Research and Election. You know Evans Nimako mm-hmm. already. So, so he's going to so have been at that position since 2016, hasn't yes. he? 2016, he took over from Martin E.J. Mensah-Corsa so after been, Martin was elected as a member w- of parliament. Then that should be 2021. Martin came to parliament. Martin came to parliament in 2020. 2020, yes, 2021. Yeah, 2020, yes. Okay, so it means he was he was supporting him in the past. And in the past, yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. Mm. And then there is Dr. Ernest Ousukumi, uh, who also is going to be a, de- a director of research. So, um, Dr. Kumi was the former MPP parliamentary candidate for the Akwetia constituency. It was this gentleman who overtook Amasei and it became a whole lot of issues. So, so he's going uh, as what? He's going as a director of research. research going okay. to work under mm-hmm. uh, Evans Nimako. Mm-hmm. And then there's Dr. Nyami Befi who happens to be a lecturer. And then there is the communications directorate where a lot of people uh, were really, really looking forward to it. As you mentioned earlier, Richard Ahiagba is the director of communications for the MPP now. He's a former head of the Dankwa Institute. Uh, he's going to have um, six people uh, working with him as deputies. Okay. So there's uh, Mr. Ernest Ousu Bempa. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people call him Abua Papo. He's a director of so, communications for the Ghana Gas Company Limited okay. now as we speak. Formerly of the Nana Konedu's the, the NDP. Funka, the Funka Games, uh, you know. Uh, oh, so she's no more with NDP. She's now with MPP. She's not a member of the MPP. Mm. Um, there is Mr. Kamau Dean Abdullahi. Kamau was a former Nasara coordinator okay. for the MPP. He was part of the communications unit for Mr. Stephen Intin when he was vying to be the national chairman of the MPP. There's also Mrs. Rabi Salifu. Um, she already was a party communicator. There's Miss Jennifer Oforia Pia. A lot of people call her Jennifer Quinn. Uh, she gets to be maintained as a deputy director of communication. She was there when um, John Boydi was, was the general secretary and the rest. And then there's George Kobia Asante. George happened to be the media coordinator for Justin Kode when he was vying to be the general secretary of the MPP. He's currently a PR for the Metro Mass Transit. Company Limited. And then there's so he's Do- going to be a Deputy Communications, Deputy Communications Director for the MPP. And then there's Dr. Esiedu Koko, who happens to be a communicator for the MPP. And there's a Director for Election, um, External Affairs. So Mr. Frederick Kofi Ameyao happens to be the Director. Kofi Ameyao was um, part of the MPP setup in New York. 
So when you you go to the uh, New York in in US, a lot of the party people were there. I mean, I was part of it. Mm-hmm. There's Nana Asafwege who uh, is more or less a PA to the national um, organizer uh, Nana B. Okay. And there's Porsche Adjuasian. And there's a director of protocol. Um, the two gentlemen there were maintained Kujua Fari and Kwabno Fori Frimpong. And there's a director of information and technology Eric uh, Intori, uh, who happens to be the director has been maintained, and Stephen Forsen has also been maintained. So this is the new composition or the new structure of the MPP under General Secretary Justin Kodia. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Sami Biafi helping us uh, make sense of the new list of appointments that the new Patriotic Party has come up with after a National Council meeting. Let's speak to one of the appointees tonight, uh, Dr. Antoinette Chibu Daku, is Deputy General Secretary of the MPP. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Um, I know that the party knows you. That's why I gave you this job. But for people who don't know you, who is Dr. Antoinette Chibodako? Okay, so um, I'm a research fellow from the University of Ghana. I've actually worked there for six years. Um, my background is mainly in development research, development studies. So I'm a social development research person, very committed to community issues, health, education. I've worked for many years in communities endowed with natural resources, looking at the negotiations between them, mining firms, what do the communities benefit, what do they stand to gain, what kind of socioeconomic issues um, are at stake. You know, So those development issues are very key to my heart. I've also been a party activist, actually, for my student days. But in those times, there was no space for you to grow in partisan politics. So down somewhere deep inside me, I've always nurtured the ambition of Randy being able to contribute very much to my party. So I think the time is due, and I'm very prepared, I'm very ready, and I'm going to serve my party to my utmost capability. Okay, so uh, the party, uh, you've been involved in party activities as your youth, which means you were in Tescon. What other things... Um, at the time that I was in University of Ghana, there was no Tescon. I think oh. University of Ghana... No, there was no Tescon. It wasn't even a recognized thing at that time. Like I told you, in my time, partisan politics was kind of... Um, what do I say? If, even if we wanted to meet, so I won't tell you when I finished of Ghana, but... It was at the time when there was nothing like so. It was in Professor Dubois' time. That's when I finished University of Ghana. So at that so time, this was pra- I think you want to have was, a meeting. You would hide and go and have a meeting. This was pre ninety two. Pre ninety two, exactly. Wh- which so, means then that you are likely to be older than your boss. Oh no, not at all. So not pre ninety two. I finished University in ninety nine. So I'm talking about when um, Professor Dubois went ninety two. That's when. I started when I had um, finished O level, would have meetings, area group meetings. And then when I went to university, my university at that time, Telcom wasn't there. I was University of Ghana from, we were supposed to go in 94. Then there was a strike. So we all went the following year. But at that time, there was nothing grounded in the university like there is Telcom today. So I finished the university and then I went outside for a while and then I came back. Yes. So, so which constituency is yours? Uh, and I'm referring to the the constituency created by the Electoral Commission. Where have you been operating from? Have you held any party position there? Have you engaged in any party activity in any of these constituencies or region? 
in my constituency, currently I'm in the Botiano English amount room. And that's where I live. But I come from KE. I come from Commander Edna Igwafu. That's where I, that's where I am. So I'm from the central region. That is my original constituency. But of course, work and marriage, social activities, so I've been swinging back and forth. But my main contribution and role in the party has been more on the national level. Research, strategy, database, assisting everybody who seeks my help. I do it willingly from campaigning at polling station, going around, helping to raise money, cooking for agents. I can't, I can't list all of it. And then eventually to come into, you know, work at the Dankwa Institute. I've been part of the Dankwa Institute for quite a long time. I can't even remember what year I joined as a researcher, off and on, engaging at different levels, eventually as an executive director, you know, and then now going into the party, yeah. But you've not done any um, work in terms of anything close to the General Secretary's office, have you? I have, a lot. So in 2020, I worked closely with the former General, General Secretary, writing press statements, preparing documents, a lot of research. I do a lot of things um, in the background, asking if you need anything prepared for you, researched into. And we have something we call... Um, I can't really disclose it here, but we have something we call something about, okay, so we need something to be known in the constituency. There's a conflict or there's issues that you need to resolve. Who do you speak to? Or how do you know the actual story? Those are some of the specialities. So mm. um, as a researcher, I know how to get all the nuanced views and opinions and put it together in a comprehensive report so that before you make a decision, you are well informed. So that's been the main two things that I've done. My research, my strategy, and my background, okay. information, and knowledge about the constituency. But you haven't run for any elected position before? No. And, no. You, and you haven't been appointed in the party as a, an, an executive in either the constituency level, or regional level, or national level? This is the first time? No. No, this is the first time. I am also sensing that this will be the first time a, a woman is being named Deputy General Secretary of your party. Very much so, yeah. Okay, congratulations, which means you have a lot of trail blazing to leave behind for those who may be hoping and looking forward to that position. I really hope I can do that. For me, I think this is a giant step, but it's also a step that shows confidence in my capabilities, especially my research, my dedication, my commitment to detail and to achieving specific targets. I don't give up. I'm very, very persevering, and I'm very strong-willed. Everybody knows that. Well, communications as well, I think I've said the party well in that, in that in that field. I'm sure you've heard me because I've been to CT as well. But I look forward to nurturing more women to be a more active part of the party. I think that is also a very essential thing in our current discourse. So I hope that I'll be um, a, a pillar of support for a lot more females and women, especially the young women, also want to enter the policy. Are you a book doctor, as in a PhD or yes, a, a yes, medical I'm a, doctor? I'm a book doctor. No, I'm a book doctor. I have a PhD in the International Development Studies. Okay, okay. That's fine. And um, what are you bringing to the table as Deputy General Secretary? As I told you, my strong research background. Research so, so, that's supposed, so you're going to support the Secretary and the office with that? I am going that. to support, exactly, support the General Secretary with information, research about all the consequences, build a 
solid database for the party. We need that very much. I think going into the 2024 election, we must be aware of the, the importance of scientific evidence and information-based strategies. And for me, I think these are strong points that I'm going to bring onto the table. Besides my dedication and commitment to detail, I think that those are very, very important things. I'm also hoping that we, we offer to everybody in the party an opportunity. For me, I've always told them, especially when I engage with the testonizer, I love very much. I'm always telling them, I said, stay in your space and do your best, and one day you'll get something that you hardly expect. And I think I'm a very, 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 um, very relevant example of such things where you work and you do your best, and suddenly the cognition comes, and you get a position that helps you to even excel and to contribute more. So I hope I'm able to do that to bring more people, you know, on board and to build especially our ideology, our philosophy, the very tenets and beliefs that are supposed to be what the new patriotic party is based on, bringing more principles, truth, honesty, understanding and all of those things. That is what I believe in and I pray that I'm able to deliver that in my position. Your party has an ambitious campaign to break the eight. As Deputy General Secretary, you do recognize that that's a tough one, uh, which you are planning to do. Uh, for people who are listening to you nationwide, why should the MPP still remain the party of choice? Um, so that's a bit of a tricky question, but why shouldn't we also remain the party of choice? I'm sure in, um, in was it in 2016, the new demo, uh, the NDC also we're, we're, we're hoping to break the, the cycle. So I don't think that eight years is something that has to become a, 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 a fixed thing in our political dispensation. I see development as a thing that is very continuous. Unfortunately, partisan politics seems to be something that is dividing our development. I believe strongly that uh, the four-year term in our fourth republic dispensation Sometimes at issue because of the things that quickly take over the So if we want the specific government to be able to deliver, I think we need more time to come to a realization of a lot of the development plans and programs that you have put in place. So I believe strongly that if a new patriotic party is delivering as we are currently, there is no reason why the Ghanaian voter should not give us their mandate so that we can continue you know, what we have started, and that is my belief and my hope, and I'm going to work hard towards achieving that. The difficulty is that your delivery is really um, not being felt that much. The economy isn't proving that you are delivering at all, and that's what is going to be used to measure you. I don't think think, um, that is going to be everything that measures that. Yes, there are issues, I would admit that. Yes, there are challenges. But these are also related to some global situations that have occurred. I think how we manage to overcome all of these things and come out of it is also very important. We still have some years to go. And remember, we haven't done badly at all. On the average, on the ratings, we've done very well. So let's also not be too quick to point fingers and to judge. There's a downturn now. How do we manage to bring it out? How do we manage to fix it? How do we manage to put things back to where it was? before COVID and the Russian-Ukraine war. I think those are issues that we also have to come together and then discuss. And for me, I think some of these issues transcend the bipartisan politics that we try to delve into every time. It's more about 
um, in the face of all of these things, we are still Ghanaians, and at the end of the day, there will still be a Ghana that we would have to. So whatever party comes to power, you would need a Ghana to be able to rule. So how do we make sure that we sustain a good Ghana for everyone? I think those are the important conversations that I wish we would be having. Wish you all the best. Uh, do settle in, and uh, we'll be having more conversations in the coming days and months and years. Thank you for speaking to it's us, Doc. pleasure. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Dr. Antoinette Chibodaku. She's just been named as Deputy General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We'll return with more. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamadu here with Ellen Dapa, and she's going to bring us some other stories uh, in the health sector, Ellen. The Nurse Educators Group has described the decision of government to employ untrained senior high school graduates to serve as nurse assistants as a misplaced priority. This comment comes on the back of the Youth Employment Agency's new module to employ and train some 5,000 SHS graduates to assist nurses and midwives in chips compounds across the country. Now speaking to City News, the National Chairman of the Nurse Educators Group, Nakinam Adamu indicated that employing the over 19,000 unemployed trained nurses and midwives in the country will be a better alternative. This introduction of the NSS people, uh, students, into the healthcare system is one of the mistakes that the government of Ghana is taking. And as we speak, the last time I checked, we have uh, 19,000 trained nurses uh, sitting at home. That is only for the auxiliary staff and almost getting about 1,000 professional, that is general nurses, midwives, psychiatric nurses, public health nurses, are sitting at home. So why should the government of Ghana make an attempt to bring people who are not trained at all? And this is a misplaced priority. What not is something somebody must go through, get ready, prepared psychologically, to be able to render the service. Now, these senior high school students, they haven't going to cause more harm to them. As we speak, they are sitting at home, they haven't got any training, and some of them need to rewrite their papers to go better and come to professional training. But that's the case. If, uh, there will not be motivation for them to further their education. So what nurse educators and Ghana registered nurses and midwife association is saying is that government should, as a matter of agency, stop training these professionals. Nakinam Adamu is the national chairman of the Nurse Educators Group. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTF and the Center for Democratic Development, CDD, has its Afrobarometer uh, where it does surveys and shares the surveys with the public. And uh, there's one that it has conducted now on a hung parliament. You do know that the House of Parliament currently, and this is without prejudice to everything happening in the courts, has MPP 137 elected members an NDC-137 elected members and one independent member of parliament. Now, that's what we call a hung parliament, which means we don't have an outright majority in there, even though the MPP has the independent person working with them. Now, we are told that this is an advantage or a disadvantage. depends on how you look at it. CDD has done a test and um, 
we we are going to speak now to the research analyst with CDD, uh, Gilfred Asiyama, who um, authored this particular publication. Mr. Asiyama, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Umaru. Uh, um, just a quick correction. Um, I am not the author of the publication. Okay, but you, you, you work with CDD, but so you have the authority yes. to share more with us on this particular publication. Yes, I do. So, so tell us what the idea was and why it's coming now. So um, I, this is a part of it. Majority is, is part of the standard questions that we ask Ghanaians, especially on the functions of members of parliament and how well they are executing those functions and sometimes also about the relationship between the executive and parliament. But in round nine survey, we, we had a course to ask Ghanaians whether they think um, the nature of parliament, which had changed by the time we were doing the survey, has any implications on the role that parliament plays um, in, in, in our country. So the question, the specific question about whether um, the hung parliament has affected MPC effectiveness is a specific question that we asked in this round of Afrobarometer just to understand whether people think that it makes a difference in the way parliament does its job. And people, so w- how many people did you question for this? And did you question people who have been following parliament in the past? So, Maru, um, it is part of the Afrobarometer survey. So, um, it's these questions are embedded in the larger survey that we do and ask citizens' opinion about things, about governance, about management of the economy, and about all the things. So um, the total respondents of 2,400 adult Ghanaians across the country um, who were randomly selected to be part of this survey, and we asked them these questions about the role of parliament and whether parliament has been effective or whether parliament, the role of parliament and the performance is satisfactory to citizens. Now, you may need to have spoken to people who have followed parliament in the past, because if you met someone who is ignorant of the workings of parliament and you ask them what they make of the current parliament, they may not even notice the difference, would they? Um, Umaru, not necessarily. Uh, members of parliament are elected by the generality of Ghanaians. Um, whether they follow um, their actions or inactions of their members of parliament. They are the ones who elect them. And at every point, if you want to do assessment, it is right to consider the generality of Ghanaians. And even what they think, whether the elections that they, they, they do, whether joining the queue, long queue every four years to elect these members of parliament, whether they think parliament has been doing the job um, that they expect parliament to do, whether they think even Parliament has that legitimacy to monitor and oversee the work of the executive. So I think it is very crucial to consider the generality of Ghanaians because they elect members of Parliament. Yes, they do elect, but you also do know that there's always a conversation around whether or not electors know the job of the elected so that there are MPs who insist that they, it's not their job, and we do know that it's not their job to fix roads, but yet their constituents chase them out of their constituency because of a road that has not been constructed. If you met such an individual and interviewed them, they'll say that the MP is not effective, when indeed that MP could be very effective in the Chamber of Parliament. What do you say to that? And that's, that's very important, and I think it goes back to the same conversation. Um, people have expectations about their members of Parliament, 
And by sidelining them and not asking them the questions, whether they include those expectations, whether their expectations are legitimate or not, um, wouldn't take away what they think or feel about these institutions and the assessment that they have. Anyway, when members of parliament appear before the people every four years, they, they vote for them and they assess them based on some of these expectations. The issue about constituency service, um, I think, um, is an issue that needs broader discussion. And it is not surprising. In, in, in situations where you have first past the post, uh, you have single-member constituencies, it happens that members of par- the public expect their members of parliament to do some of these developmental jobs. If this is not the way to go, it is better to know what people think and try to find the appropriate solution to it than to ignore them because you might think they don't know what parliament or the members of parliament stand for. Anyway, when they appear before the people, they promise them these same things that we say are not legitimate. Your key findings, the first one, you say that almost 46% of Ghanaians think the composition of the 8th parliament, which is the hung parliament, has made MPs somewhat more or much more effective in scrutinizing government spending. If you flip that information, it means that more than half do not think so, correct? Um, if you flip that information, um, it may not be more than half. If, if almost that. half, which is 46%, think that the MPs are doing a great job, then it means uh, more than half think they are not. Well, actually, you have about um, um, 2 in 10 or 1 in 5 who think it's made no difference. Um, so that wouldn't be the case that they are, they are not doing well. People think it hasn't made any difference. The majority... Um, if you put it together, people who think they are doing much better or much more, uh, people who think it makes no difference, people who think they are doing somewhat much better or less, somewhat or much less worse. If you put these three categories, you will see that majority of them are those who are saying that it's made Parliament more effective in scrutinizing government spending. Okay, so the 46% is to be commended then, that people think that the hung parliament is doing a good job. I think, yes, people... Because I'm looking, I'm looking through your, your, your finding. I'm not sure which table... Would, this is just part of the key finding, but there's a table you have titled Figure 1. Has hung parliament affected MP effectiveness? I believe that's the one that you interpreted. Yes, yes. That, now, that it, there's um, a column that says effective in scrutinizing government spending. You have 46%, 19%, and then 33%, where 46% means somewhat or much more. And as 19 said made no difference, and somewhat or much less is 33%, which means that 33% people think that uh, there's less scrutiny even with this hung parliament. Exactly so. All right. Thank you for speaking to us. And uh, the, the other part you talk about, the 85% of MPs saying that pe- the the of people saying that the MPs don't listen to them. That 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 that, that one. If you could talk to us more on it. Yes. So um, we we ask people how much um, of the time do they think that they are members of parliament try their best to listen to what they have to say. Um, and unfortunately, um, over the years, it comes across that majority of Ghanaians think that their MPs do not listen to them. 
And um, that is very worrisome uh, in this era of open parliament where we are encouraging members of parliament to be closer to the people in order to be able to articulate um, their aspirations and expectations um, in national policy. So um, it is a worry, and I think it is something that we need to address. And clearly, when you go, go to the ground, you hear people say, um, this man, we voted for him. He was here with us almost every now and then, but after voting for him, we never saw him again. And that's one criticism that people usually raise against how their members of parliament interact with them um, over an election cycle. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, Omar. That's Gilfred Siamma. Uh, he's a research analyst with the CDD, the Center for Democratic Development. Ghana. Let's speak to a leader of the House of Parliament, the 8th Parliament. James Kluchiaveji is the MP, NDC MP for Ketu North and also Deputy Minority Leader. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Omarisan. From where you sit, as someone who is part of a parliament that we have never witnessed the, the type before, where you have equal number on both sides, would you say it has been more helpful for Ghanaians? I mean, you managed to get a Speaker of Parliament who is not appointed by the President, but what more can you tout if you indeed agree that the Hang Parliament has been more beneficial to Ghanaians? Thank you very much. Um, first of all, uh, I think that uh, the Hang Parliament made it for us to have a, a Speaker of Parliament from the opposition party. Uh, that alone, I can tell you that uh, issues that are before Parliament are not issues that we can say the Parliament can just rubber stamp it. Uh, if you look at previous Parliament, where the majority always carry the day in terms of voting, uh, most issues... Uh, which even individually, as an individual member of parliament, even you belong to the ruling party and an issue is before parliament and you, you personally don't even support that because parliament hasn't grown to that level, our democracy hasn't gone to that level where individual members of parliament speak their mind. You always throw the party line. So you see that issues that are brought by the executive are always gone through majority will always vote for issues that come from the executive. Minority may oppose it and vote against it, yet because the numbers from the majority are more, it will definitely go through because decisions are taken by a simple majority. Now that we have a hung parliament, you can see that before an issue is even brought to the House, the majority want to do a lot of calculations. Say that, A, this issue, how is this issue going to be uh, accepted by the minority? Is this something that minority can easily vote for or not? Well, in order to ensure the minority support this decision. So that alone brings uh, the dis- discussions or the debate now more down to the populace, where they now know more that, hey, this issue... Um, this is the way the vote is going to be like. For instance, if you talk about the illegal, the expectation of Ghanaians is that minority is going to block it. And if you say that in December 2021, 
the E-Level was not passed simply because the majority didn't have the numbers. That alone is something that benefits the country. So yes, I would agree to extend with the findings of the survey that the Hung Parliament is more beneficial as opposed uh, majority parliament where majority party always have their way. Would you also not say that because of the hung parliament and there are critics who think so, that the minority has a much more bargaining power against the government and in instances where people accuse the house of parliament of uh, of um, engaging or in condoning corruption, critics say that you only have equal number of groups sharing a, a, a looty instead of uh, ensuring accountability. What do you say to such a criticism? No, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with that. I'll disagree with that. Yes, minority will have the bargaining power. That is, that when an issue is before parliament, minority will say that the form of the issue, if it's uh, a bill, the form it is, we will not support it. But if you can do A, B, C, D to make some changes we will support it. That will not immune to the benefit of the few minority uh, MPs in Parliament, but it will immune to the general populace. So yes, minority will have a power to bargain, but not to bargain to benefit their personal uh, interest. So that is the, the area where I would disagree that if the, the opinion of those people are that the, the bargaining power that we have is being utilized or being used to benefit very few people. I would disagree with that. Let me give you one more thing from the findings. They say that more than two-thirds, that 71% of Ghanaians, give MPs a failing grade on their performance, job performance, over the past year. What do you make of that? Hmm. Yeah, that is, a, is an issue that we should debate for as a national debate. Uh, because the trend is going in such a way that our constituents always think that the MPs must be held responsible for development projects in their uh, various constituencies. You see, the genesis of the whole thing is that uh, <clears throat> I listened to the gentleman that you spoke to earlier on, where he says that whenever we are looking for food, we promise our constituents or constituencies that we will do A, B, C, D. Yeah, that is true to some extent. It is true to the extent that whenever you go to a community to convert for a vote, the community receives you and says, we need A, B, C, D. And you will respond, because you can't say and tell them that, look, I have gone to parliament to be a legislator, and I will not be your to speak for you. So you will respond to them by saying that, yes, if you vote for me and I'm there, all these issues that you are raising, the concerns you are raising in terms of development, I'll carry them to the government. And I can say for a fact that all MPs that from past and present have always carried the development project needs of our people to the, to the doorsteps of the government. Now, it is a duty of the government to make provision for those and ensure that those projects are brought to the communities. Now, this is where the mismatch is coming. If the MPs bring development needs of their constituents to the doorstep of government, and government goes to do it, first of all, who give credit to the district chief executive? 
or the minister, the MP. But where, even though the MP bring all this to the doorstep or something, but it is not done, then the people turn to the MP to bring the MP. That is a mismatch. So the people first think that the development projects are supposed to be done by members of parliament, which in actual fact not the case. Because, for instance, the district assembly common fund is sent to the district, and five percent of the district assembly common fund is reserved to the MP to meet emergency uh, needs of the people. But the people think that the MP control the entire district assembly common fund. So. Instead of people turning to the district chief executive to demand development from them, they turn to the member of parliament. So I will not be surprised that the 72% are blaming the MP. It is simply because they think that it's the MP's job to do that. Now, that is one area they can blame the MP. The second area where they can blame the MP are the individual needs of the people, a personal development needs. So... Individuals go to members of parliament and demand money from the MP. Various kind of things. School fees, health, hospital bills, and many, many things, money to start business or trade, land trade, all sort of demands. The MP do not have that capacity to be able to satisfy everybody's needs. The MP can do something about that by using part of his salary to take care of all those things. But because the MP everybody, they tend to blame the MP that the MP is not working because I went to him did he help me? That is a fact and that is a challenge we need to discuss as a nation. Very well, uh, thank you so much for speaking to us. You're welcome. That's the Honorable James Kruchavegi is Deputy uh, Minority Leader in the House of Parliament. This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's go to the Ghana Journalist Association now, Ellen. The Ghana Journalists Association, GJA, has described the Kumasi Traditional Council's directive for Europa FM to suspend operations as an interference on press freedom and an affront to democracy. The association believes that the council's decision arising the comment of a guest is unfair and is not in line with democratic principles governing the country. The Ashanti Regional Chairman of the Association, Kinsley Hope, has thus urged the traditional council to follow due processes in resolving the impasse. We are in a country governed by constitution. Yeah. And so if you ask of the position of DJ, all that DJ can say is that once we are being governed by constitution, we should allow the due process of the law to take it course to, 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 to address the situation. Much as uh, Odike, as we call him, might have aired, might have aired, does not mean that uh, Menshia should go to that extent of raising the bar to ask them to uh, go off air. I understand that they ask them to go off air to show some kind of remorse, yeah, for allowing the network to be used by somebody to denigrate the, the palace. The palace, we are all aware that it is one of the establishments in the country that uh, all of us hold in high esteem. And so denigrating the palace will mean maybe speaking ill against the presidency, which is not the best for our democracy. And so two wrongs do not make rights. Once we are governed by the constitution, the constitution allows, uh, does not, uh, you know, allow anybody to let me use the word interfere. 
in the operations of the media. This will smack as uh, interference. Uh -huh. And so not to breach the constitution, I think that, and I'm even appealing to the Mencia Palace to allow or use the due process of the law by petitioning the National Media Commission, which runs things, to take the matter up. Kinsley Hope is the chairman of the Ashanti Regional Chapter of the Ghana Journalist Association. Now, um, have you registered your SIM card or one of the stubborn academy that decided not to register? The NCA has some good news for you. Let me share that with you. National Communications Authority says self-service app released as additional means to complete SIM card registration. They recall that the Minister for Communications, says Laosu Kufu, had mentioned that there was going to be an app, an app to be released a few weeks ago. That app uh, never materialized. Finally, it's here. So this is what the NCA says. It says, the SIM card registration self-service application app has been released. The app is intended for subscribers who have done stage one of their SIM card registration to complete stage two. The app called GH SIM Self Reg, GH SIM Self Reg, or Reg, is currently available for download on the Google Play Store. The app provides another means for the telecom sub subscribers to complete their SIM card registration using the Ghana card. Subscribers who prefer to physically go to their service provider's registration points to complete stage 2 can still do so. The benefits of the applications include providing convenience for subscribers as they can register in the comfort of their homes, offices, or other convenient locations. The app will be available on the Apple Store soon. The NCA urges subscribers to reach out to its operational support center via to free number 0800-110-622 or the authorities' handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or the NCA's website, www.nca.org.gh, for any inquiries or for more information about the app. So what the NCA is simply saying is that if you fail to do your finish with your registration, download an app on the Google Play Store, not for iPhone users, for we the regular Android users. Download your app from the, from the store, and the name is GH. SIM self-reg. So G-H-S-I-M-S-E-L-F-R-E-G. G-H-SIM self-reg. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Up next, Natalie Nettie is in studio to bring us uh, the latest in the world of business. And then we have Point Blank. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettelinetti. Let's settle for the details. The Association of Ghana Industries, AGI, has lauded government's receipt of $750 million African Export Import Bank AfriExim loan, adding that it could help stabilize the economy in the short term. The amount which hit the government's account yesterday will primarily be used to finance some infrastructure projects of government. The loan will also help to boost the central bank's reserves, a move that could help slow down the rate of depreciation of the city against the dollar. Speaking to City Business News, the Greater Accra Chairman of the AGI, Chonam Akpelo, stressed the need for government to adopt a long-term approach to addressing the challenges facing the economy. We are excited about any opportunity for money to come to the country. We are also aware that the 1.3 billion uh, cocoa uh, syndicated facility 
It may also be arriving in a couple of weeks. So all of these will go a long way to, to support the, the stock of the country and, and thereby making sure that we have enough liquidity in the system to stabilize the currency and to stabilize the economy. But that being said, it's also important to know that we are almost getting to the end of the year. At this time, our friends that import for Christmas are getting ready to import. So most of these monies in the system will be mobilized very soon to go and buy from abroad to sell during Christmas. So in as much as we're getting money in, it may not be entirely uh, sustainable uh, approach to deal with our situation because uh, we tend to rely very heavily on Im- importing even during Christmas in a big way, so much so that there's very little uh, of money left after Christmas. And so our hope is that in all of these, government trying to bring in money and also uh, trying to solve short-term measures, our hope is that there will be a long-term approach vis-a-vis the short-term. That was the Greater Accra Chairman of the Association of Ghana Industries, Chunam Akpelo. The Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, is urging members of the trading community to continue to fly red flags in front of their shops until government heeds to its promises of finding a lasting solution to their demands. The association called off its directive to close all shops of its members in Accra on Monday, August 29, 2022, after a crunch closed-door meeting with members of the Council of State on Thursday, 25 August 2022. Also, a joint committee made up of 10 members of the trading community and 8 members from the Council of State has been set up under the chairmanship of the Council of State member, Honorable Pa Kofiashon, to look into all the issues raised by the group. He is the Vice Chair of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Clement Boating, speaking to City Business News on the issue. We have explained that a committee was set up and that we have one month within which uh, we must work and then uh, come out with a a recommendation uh, to the government, which the government must quickly act on it after we've uh, presented uh, the recommendations. And we also told you that there are some of the grievances that they have to, they can deal with it as soon as possible, and those that uh, have to be dealt with uh, in in the long term. So, because we are working within timelines, and we hope that within that one month, uh, we should be able to complete everything and then uh, come out with recommendations to government. We have told our members that, even though we've called it off, but we still ask them to put on uh, the red bands so that after the one month, one month if uh, nothing comes out of the negotiations, then maybe we can then strategize again. So that is the more reason why we have asked them, even though we call off the strike, but we have asked them to still be wearing the red bands and then be uh, putting them in front uh, of, of their shops because uh, the battle is still uh, not over over yet. We are looking at uh, after the one month what will really you know happen. That was the vice chair of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Clement Boating. The National Communication Authority, NCA, has rolled out the SIM card registration self-service application app. This comes weeks after governments granted a conditional extension for the SIM card re-registration exercise from July 31st to 30th September 2022 to allow more Ghanaians go through the process. The NCA in a statement indicated that the app called the GH SIM Self REG is currently available for download on the Google Play Store and promises convenience for users and customers of the telecommunications service who would not wish to join queues at the various service centers. The self-service SIM app can be accessible to subscribers who have completed the first stage of the registration by linking their Ghana card to their phone numbers.
Just as all businesses and industries are suffering from the impact of the current economic situation, Ghana's pharmaceutical space is also bearing the brunt of the city depreciation and high inflation rate. Medicines, which form an integral part of everyday human life, are also experiencing a surge in prices, and players in the space, which include medical counter-assistants, importers, and even manufacturers, are not happy about it. There's more on this report by Ellen Dapa. Over the last month, the city has seen significant depreciation against most major currencies. As this has happened, the cost of goods and services has risen in line with the depreciation and associated inflationary pressures. Although the full impact of this on the cost of healthcare is not known, one can expect that the cost of medicines will go up significantly. This has already been predicted by groups like the Center for Democratic Development. A fellow at the center, Dr. Kwame Saponasiedu, earlier this week predicted an increase in the prices of medicines between 34 and 49 percent. If you look currently on the market, already the prices have gone up by about between 22 and 60 percent, depending on whether you're looking at the branded product or generic. From December last year, prices anyway. Anyone who buys medicines from a pharmacy would know this. And that is what we have modeled. And we've realized that at the rate of the depreciation, if nothing is on average, Medicine prices would go about between 34 and 49 percent on December last year prices. Meanwhile, the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association of Ghana says the current situation is gradually eroding the capitals of pharmaceutical importers. William Eduado is the association's president. We are not too happy about questions because uh, we value our clients who are the patients and it's a prayer that we can always get them the best medicine at the most affordable price. However, because we are also in business and we have to take care of our overhead costs as well, uh, we have to adjust our prices. City Business News visited some pharmacies to interact with the counter assistants and the news was no different. According to them, the prices of medicines have seen constant increases from the beginning of this year till now. Take a listen to some of them. The prices of the drugs has changed due to the CDD depreciation because from um, January apples, it's like coming, the prices were okay, but for now, the prices has increased like two times, three times because of the CDD depreciation and most of the drugs are foreign drugs. Most of the things we buy, it like even the, those who prepare it in Ghana, they buy some of the things from outside. So the increase, because of the increase of the uh, euro and those things, that makes the increase of the prices also, uh, the medicine also goes high. Every day it goes up. People come here always and fight with us, but now and there's not us. If we go when it's high, we can't keep it at the low price again. We have to increase it. That was a report filed by Ellen Dapper. And finally, as cybercrime such as internet fraud continue to escalate in the country, Ghanaians are being cautioned to be more security conscious and seek professional help to avoid falling victim to scammers and fraudsters. An amount of $19 million was lost to cyber crooks in, 1, 000, in over 1,000 cases reported at the cybercrime unit of the Criminal Investigation Department in 2020. Cyber criminals have become bolder and more sophisticated over time, hence the call for all Internet users to get protection. Executive Director of the cybersecurity company Oduma Group, Yvonne Amponsa, says the businesses have to invest in cybersecurity infrastructure to protect them from attacks. Our mission is to offer a premium risk-based cybersecurity service, a 
and our vision is to be a global market leader in offering a top-notch cybersecurity service and the first choice partner for commercial cybersecurity needs. We are the cybersecurity people. Bodua Solutions offers end-to-end cybersecurity from pen testing, gap analysis, audit, governance, through to implementation of security tools and services to the provision of a security operations center, either as a service or by providing the right SOC tools to be managed in-house. In order to be the market leader in our region, as well as to be able to provide an outstanding value for money service, since our incorporation, we have established strategic partnerships with global brands such as Cisco, Minecast, Forcepoint, Westcon, Comstar, and Lockpoint. Ivan Amponsa is executive director of Uduma Group, a cybersecurity company. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Nete. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight on Point Blank, the big exhibition being organized by CTFM and City TV is happening at the Accra Metropolitan Assembly offices. It's happening tomorrow and the day after, so Saturday and Sunday. This is Ghana Exhibition. 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. You may not know much about it because you possibly just landed at the Kotoka International Airport you are in an Uber driving home. So let me give you an idea. Let's listen to an interaction on the City Breakfast Show um, which had Samuel Atamensa, the MD of City of City TV. Frima um, Edunyami. So some of the time I was hosted on Breakfast Daily, hosted by uh, Frima Dunyami and Nana Tufobuati, where they had a discussion on the This Is um, Ghana exhibition. I wanted to listen briefly to some of the discussions they had, and then we'll talk further about what's happening tomorrow. Listen. 
seen different types of exhibitions and fairs that um, have gone ahead to promote um, made in Ghana products and services. Uh, and so what we are doing this weekend will be just one of many um, and it will still uh, keep going because the main objective is to be able to put the Ghana product service innovation um, on the front line um, so that we can showcase our capabilities as a country. The thing is that this is the age of highly globalized interactions. Um, whatever you have, even though it's within your country, is still competing with somebody in their own country. Right. Yeah. And that's why um, you find on the shelves all sorts of products from countries that you probably may not have seen on the map before, but their food, their products will yeah. be in your, in, in, in your shops. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. But again, the indication is that in the same way as you see other products from other countries appear on your shelves, you also bear the potential to send your products and services across boundaries, right. across borders. So what we are doing is, yes, people are enterprising, people have created products, people have created services, people have created solutions, but how do we hone them? How do we help them package yeah. their solutions? How do we help them package their products? So the business clinics, one, mm -hmm. there's one that is going to focus on building small businesses for startups. Right. You know, you probably have been laid off from work or for some reason you are not able to take on a full-time employment. Mm -hmm. You have time on your hands. Is there a possibility that you can create something on, with your own small resources? So we are dealing with how to start this small business. That's one mm -hmm. of the workshops we are doing. Then the other one would also focus on how to manage your finances as a small wow. business. Hmm. And that's the trick here yeah. because um, we, we, are, we are quite individualistic in the way we spend. Hmm. And so at times we translate it into our businesses, businesses yeah. such that the revenue you generate in your business there's some demon in your mind that tells you that <laughs> money is for you. It's your money. <laughs> yeah. So you you see, mm -hmm. and they are you, and they are tired. No one can face Ghana. No one can boom. No one face Ghana. No one can shoot. End of month. There's nothing left. left. Business collapses. Yeah. Then you spend the rest of your time at a prayer conference, mm -hmm. thinking that you can reverse it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen that yeah, way. Yeah. What we are saying is that there is a way to manage your finances yeah. as a small business. And so if you are listening to us, you have a small business. Mm -hmm. Come and receive instruction on how to structure your finances, mm -hmm. how to manage your finances yeah. so that you can deal with the regulatory requirements, the tax authorities, the, all the things that you have to do to stay in business mm -hmm. and be able to declare profit. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be one workshop um, that will focus on that. Right. So the first one is how to start 
a small business. Mm. Second one is how to manage your finances as a small business owner. Okay. And so it's actually targeted at almost all the SMEs that will be exhibiting mm. there. Mm. They will mm. all need to hear this. Mm. Right. And so that's the second one. Now, the third one, mm -hmm. which is going to be um, um, handled by what we call the impact hub. Okay. Um, so they are the they they manage the export clinics, right? Mm. Because lots of our indigenous uh, products that mm. we do, um, health, food, and and, and and you know along that spectrum, yeah. are normally targeted at foreign markets. Right. But you see, one of the main problems we we used to have in the past is standardization mm -hmm. how do we meet the requirements and the yeah. standards mm -hmm. um which we greatly fell short of yeah. so the impact hub is a combination of four agencies um who have come together mm -hmm. collaborated to build the business clinic okay. where they provide direction instruction and advice mm -hmm. on how to make your business ready for export mm. okay so that includes the ghana standards authority uh -huh. talking about standardization, standardization. Yeah. because anything that has to be consumed mm. that or that has to be used mm. that would transcend borders will require to meet a certain Set standard yeah at times, we think that once we innovate and create, that's where it ends. Yeah. No, there's a standard you have to meet. Clearly. And that's why you need to talk to the standards authority. Yeah. Now, talk about food and drug. Yeah. If it's food, if it's drug, there are regulatory requirements yeah. Yeah. that you need to meet. And at times, in the excitement of building your business, you overlook some of these things. Mm -hmm. The yeah. Food and Drugs Authority is there to guide you. And they'll be there. Wow. And then the Ghana Export uh, Promotion, Promotion Authority, Authority is also there. You are doing export. Mm -hmm. At times, we don't even know what kind of uh, uh, SKUs mm -hmm. that are used mm -hmm. in yeah. certain countries. Yeah. That's the packaging volumes mm -hmm. that you need. Yeah. We don't know how do we package, yeah. how do we present. Mm -hmm. In certain countries, certain forms of packaging are not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. In certain countries, certain things are not. Mm -hmm. If you speak with the Ghana Export Promotion, Promotion Authority, Authority, they will tell you what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's why this business clinic is very important. Very important. Yes, yeah. And then the one about plants and pro uh, farm produce, yeah. Yeah. They are also there's another agency responsible. So there are four agencies. Mm -hmm. Somebody says, I want to export crabs. Mm. They load the whole uh, the container of mm. crabs get to the airport and they bounce them then they go for a prayer meeting you could have spoken yeah. to these people yeah. and they would have told you mm. what whether mm. it's possible to do it mm -hmm. yeah if possible how, how? do you do it mm -hmm. and then when can you do it yeah so that's why anybody in any form of business with a mm. view of exporting. Mm. I have friends who are into share butter, mm. um, you know, yes. packaging, packaging and production. Level. Yes, it is share butter. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm. But there's a certain standard required if yeah. you want to penetrate international, international markets. markets. Yeah. So 
that will be one of the major mm. um, highlights mm. of the business clinic. Mm. So you have three teams okay. starting your own business, mm -hmm. managing, managing your, finance. your finances as a small business, mm -hmm. and then impact the hub. final one is the Impact Hub mm. Export Clinic. Mm. Right. Now, if I'm coming there and I want to participate in all of these clinics, yeah. how is this scheduled? I mean, we know the exhibition itself is from 10 a.m. to 5 a.m., but I want to take part in all of these three clinics. Yeah. So how do I, or how is this scheduled to we, afford we will, the We will have the daily schedule mm. posted at the venue. Right. So right. once you get to the venue, mm. there will be a billboard that will show you when okay. each workshop is taking place mm. oh, so that's it mm. oh, and it's open to all mm. um, for those who have registered to be part it's automatic mm. but if you don't have a stand and you are a visitor you want to take part mm. when you come there we'll take your details right. before you attend because what happens post events mm. is that these agencies like to follow up to see how your business is doing great mm. so it's actually a free clinic mm. for 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 participants mm. amazing stuff right. yeah no yeah. it's amazing <laughs> <laughs>
5 p.m., not 5.30, not 5.20, not 5.10. Okay. 5 p.m., we will not allow anybody else to come in. Look, that place gets a little bit dark. And don't forget, people are bringing their things to exhibit. So you don't want to have all these things in the dark and pose risks to them that mm-hmm. are not necessary. So 10 a.m. to, to 5 p.m., exactly. that is it. Okay, yes. let's take it one step at a time. Let's talk about exhibitors first. Then we talk about mm. regular patrons who are just coming to watch. What and what is going to be exhibited tomorrow? Look, we've got a range of things. We said this is Ghana. Mm -hmm. And we keep saying, we've been saying this from the very beginning when we started talking about this is Ghana, that a lot of the time when we think of made in Ghana goods, made in Ghana services, no disrespect to our artisans, but we're thinking of the small things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some beads here and there, um, a a piece of cloth here and there. Those are important, and they will be there as well. Right. Okay. However, so someone who does earrings, we have those like the ones too. you're wearing. Jewelry. Someone who does African prints. Absolutely. Re- but designs. beyond that, you even have people who have cut rings mm-hmm. with with expensive stones in them, like mm-hmm. the ones I'm wearing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Made in Ghana. Okay. Believe it or not. But beyond that, we've been having conversations about the economy. We're talking about, you know, we've gone to where the IMF. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of our problems, our balance of payments problems. We want to go back to the economics classroom, right? Very simple. Once your, your imports outweigh your exports, you are going to have forex challenges. You go down. And that's what we are facing. Mm-hmm. But one of the main ways to make sure that we're curbing that we can manage it is to produce and export. Now, if you're not producing or you're not consuming what is local, then you're going to have challenges and, and then you can't, you know, export. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the things. Now, there are so many companies. We can talk about some of the people who are even our sponsors. GEPA, the Ghana Export Promotion Authority, you heard some men talk about them. Mm-hmm. Not only are they coming to run a clinic, but there are companies under their umbrella that will be exhibiting as well. Companies that are successful at exportation. Mm-hmm. And so they understand what it takes to do that. And they've reached that point. They'll be there. You also have, um, you know, a company like um, Enterprise Group. I mean, they have a lot of things. Mm-hmm. One of the things on the transitions, okay. they deal in funeral services. Okay. You know, come there and see what they're doing. So you have... Are you already seeing them? So, okay, so, so that's, how, that's how wild too. it is. That's how wild I, it is. I have, I have heard the... Is it Atomic Energy? Absolutely. On, on Traffic Avenue. Exactly. That they're coming to exhibit too. That is right. So we have state companies as well. State Precisely. And the Atomic Energy, again, they have companies, they have uh, sections of the, of the authority that are there, mm-hmm. right? And they do different things that can help you as a business. Mm-hmm. For example... Um, they will be letting people know when you visit their stand the importance of radiation and what that means for you as an individual and as a business and how even the levels of radiation for your manufacturing plants can disqualify you from getting you know, some kind of, uh, of accreditation from the standards board. Or so standards the exhibition authority. is also teaching you stuff. Absolutely. Aside, aside so you'll be sitting there have. thinking, oh, as for standards authority, they don't want to give me the accreditation. Mm-hmm. FDA doesn't want to make my business in license so that mm-hmm. I can continue. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just not doing the right things. So these people are there to let us see 
either. CSIR is there as well. Okay. And they've got the Water Research Institute. There is a Food Research Institute. Even giving you innovative ideas for possible business. So this is also, these, these are coming aside the regular companies that are doing one, two, three, I mean, three things in Ghana. Precisely. We have companies that do watches. For instance, Absolutely. Caveman Cave was there the there. last time. So yes. we have Caveman that is exhibiting what they have. We have other people who are doing the clothing stuff. Mm-hmm. They are all of the, all there. So that is for someone who want for someone who want to come and watch these things. It is free, right? You just it walk through. It is free. Through. Just so walk. If you are not an exhibitor, you are not paying anything. No, you are just not. coming through. You are not. So tomorrow, wherever you are, you can just drive and say, "Oh, I've heard there's an exhibition happening at uh, Accra AMA course, headquarters yes. in Accra." And I'll just go there and watch and see what I like and pick what I want. Precisely or so. Or place an order for anything or ask for stuff. Exactly. What about the clinic thing you keep talking about? Good. So the clinics, these are very important because they're apart from the exhibitors themselves who may want a refresher course or some new information, you also have people who are business owners or potential business owners who will be coming there. So if you're listening to us and you're a potential business owner or you, you want some information because you want to go into business, this is a place for you. Now, um, let me just go over what Samen spoke about. We have, you know, a resource person who will be coming through to talk about one. One of the clinics is focusing on starting your own business. Okay. Everybody gets up. I want to be an entrepreneur. You don't think through the feasibility of it. You don't think through that whether you even have a market for what you, you've dreamt and then you want to go into business. Then boom, you start without any exactly. analysis. And now nobody is buying. You may have put some capital in there before you realize you're losing. Mm-hmm. Come and understand how you start your own business. Not every idea is a great business idea. Okay. okay. So that's one. And then how to go about it. What kinds of licensing do you need depending on which industry you want to play in? Whom do you need to talk to? All those things are there. How do you even get funding? If there's funding available, where do you go to? Or how can you manage your own finances to begin to start your business? Second clinic, managing your finances as a business. So now you start the business, you're in business. You're either a micro or a small or a medium-scale business. You want to move to the next level. A lot of the time, scaling up is a, is a numbers game. has mm-hmm. to do with capital. Mm-hmm. So come and learn how to manage your finances so that, one, you are able to keep your your staff you know well paid well com- you're comfortable meanwhile you're not flouting your statutory needs your statutory rights you're not sw- you know swimming underneath in the in the deep blue sea so we are giving under coaching. your bills absolutely we're giving coaching to all absolutely. people already existing businesses exactly. and people who want to start exactly. businesses so for example i'm sure one of the things you hear is if you're a small medium scale business you don't need to have range rovers as you as your company mm-hmm. cars mm-hmm. start small so that you Scale up when you have the, the money the means. too. Great. Then the third one, the Impact Hub Exports Clinic. Okay. Now, we've mentioned GEPA. Now, under GEPA, the Ghana Export Promotions Authority, they work with a lot of people because we're talking about exportation. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Ghana Standards Authority. You've spoken about them briefly already. The Food and Drugs Authority and then the Ghana Export Promotion Authority, GEPA themselves. They are coming together. Um, and then there's also the Plants Protection Authority to school you. So maybe you have very what you consider to be very nice packaging. You want to export to country A. But country A is all about sustainability, and they don't want plastics. So You're using plastics. Your you understand. Okay. You may not know it. Okay. You, in your mind, it's a beautiful product. So it your looks nice. 
Don't Absolutely. send plastic stuff to Rwanda, for instance. There you go. Oh, okay. Now, the Ghana Export Promotion Authority can tell you this. They'll let you know the packaging volumes. So you can't put beyond maybe one kilo of, of Ghana rice in your package because that is not allowed in this space that you want to play in. All those bits of information are there. So we have Saturday and Sunday. How remarkably different are the two days, or is it the same thing? I mean, we have the same exhibitors Saturday, Sunday. Look, we're expecting thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Um, The last time we did this, we had that, and we we know the volumes that are coming because of the feedback we're getting. So if you miss Saturday, you don't miss Sunday. You don't miss Sunday. And that includes the clinics. Okay, so So it's repeating on Sunday. Exactly. So don't feel like you have to clamor and come on Saturday and you'll miss out. There's also that happening on Sunday. And of course, if you can't make it there, we will definitely be live on TV at different points in time. Okay. Not throughout the period from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., but there'll be little blocks of time where we're showcasing what's happening there, okay. uh, where we're also marketing. Because don't forget, this this is Ghana. It's also a platform for these exhibitors to market. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. they were going to pay for advertising and marketing campaigns, they may not be able to afford them. So this is an opportunity okay. to have a bit of that as well. Thank you, Apioko, my English teacher, <laughs> for joining us on Prime Blank. And, Thank you, Mark. And of course, it's tomorrow at the AMA building, the forecourt of the AMA building in Accra, the This is Ghana exhibition by CTFM and CTTV. My name is Umaru Sandamado. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. The production was by Anna Sedu and Beverly London. The technical support from Desmond Nyaku. We return on Monday at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Stay blessed and have a great weekend. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 030.